Game of Thrones Season 6 Episode 7 is over, but we're just getting started here on Game of Thrones Live, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are more precocious than Leanna Mormont. <laughs> I'm Rob Sestradino, and here's Antonio Mazzaro filling in for Josh Wiggler. How are you? Hello, Rob. I have an axe here with me. I've got a limp. We're ready to rock. Yes. I have like a grudge as well. Yes. You are back again. Yes. You you can't keep me down. You think I'm dead. I show up again. I travel around the country building churches and cutting firewood, Rob. Yes. Well, you know how they ended up getting the hound attached to that construction project, right? Tell me how. That they were like, hey, does anybody, we need a sander. Does anybody have a Noah <laughs> sander that we could get to work on this wood project? I'm getting all these splinters. We Does anyone know a good sander? Hi, I'm a sander. Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Uh, he works for chickens, Rob. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, we got a lot to talk about here tonight. Uh, of course, uh, we are live here after episode number seven. Uh, Josh Wiggler is on assignment. Uh, he will be back with us next week to talk about Game of Thrones live after episode number eight. But uh, we are not going to miss a beat tonight because we have a lot to get to on a jam-packed episode of Game of Thrones, The Broken Man, Antonio. Yeah, we, we saw some broken men tonight. We saw some broken women. We saw a lot of things broken, stabbed, uh, alliances formed, alliances not honored. A lot went on tonight, Rob. So happy to be here to talk about it for sure. Yes, a lot to talk about here tonight. Of course, we are live here on Post Show Recaps, hashtag PS Recaps, or ask a question on our YouTube channel at postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube also uh, that we are on the uh, critically acclaimed post-show recaps nominated for not one but two podcast awards. Antonio and I have been uh, on the road to the podcast awards, uh, much like John and Sansa, just knocking on doors, uh, talking about votes for the podcast awards. If you want to vote for the post-show recaps for podcast awards, daily voting continues through June 12th, 2016 at podcastawards.com. Antonio, all right. Let's let's uh, pick this up and uh, jump into a return for the Hound. Uh, back in the season four finale, I believe it was, he was left for dead. He turned out, Antonio, to only be mostly dead. Yes, mostly dead. Someone should not have gone through his pockets and looked for loose change, Rob. Uh, he's mostly dead, not all dead. Something brought the Hound back. It seemed like it was a Septon. It seems like maybe the gods aren't done with him yet. He's stalking away from this episode like Michael Myers with a hatchet uh, and a grudge to settle or maybe multiple grudges. So this could be great. I love the Hound. Rob, full, full disclosure, the Hound is my favorite Game of Thrones character. Yeah, he was really great. Had a fantastic run in season four, especially with Arya on uh, the road to, I guess they were trying to get to the Eerie back in season four. And yes. uh, then ultimately uh, he ends up uh, being just left for dead after a battle with Brienne, uh, if anybody doesn't remember all of that. But now here he is. He's back. And Antonio, I thought that this was interesting because we've seen people like Jon Snow be brought back to life and, uh, you know, Beric Dondarrion uh, back to life through the red uh, priestess, Lord of Light type magic. Uh, we've seen people obviously brought back to life by uh, the Night's King and uh, that whole thing. But this just seemed like almost like the lost universe. The island wasn't done with the Hound yet. Correct. Right, I mean, am, right. am I wrong on this? Was there any sort of supernatural element to the Hound just not being dead? 
No, I mean, it, it certainly depends on what meaning you want to ascribe to the fact that he lived. Uh, you saw the Septon who, I, I'm not sure if we got the name, probably Septon Maribald, the, the character played by Ian McShane in this great one-off kind of role here in this episode. Ray. He said, Ray. We said, Ray said, the gods aren't done with you yet. So his interpretation was that Sander lived because he has some greater purpose, something to do. doesn't really matter which god he's saying. It could be the red god. It could be the seven. could be the old gods. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and, and Sander said, basically, like, if, uh, if the gods are, are real, why haven't they punished me? And so maybe he's alive because he has some more suffering to do, Rob. It's hard to say exactly what his purpose is, but you're right. It just seems like it wasn't time for Sander Clegane to die. And as I mentioned, the people who have come back to life in various forms, I left out uh, Sandor Clegane's uh, brother, the Mountain, who was brought back to life through some sort of work by Kyburn, and we don't even know exactly how that happened. But interestingly, these two characters, these two brothers, who were both at different points looking like they were not going to make it, uh, both have made a full recovery to some degree. Yeah, and it's hard to mention one without the other at this point, because when you talk about Sandor Clegane having grudges, one of his lifelong grudges, the man who put those burn marks on his head the person over a toy, over something silly, that man is still alive somehow uh, and still giant and causing problems. So there is a lot of hope, I think, in speculation, and I should say hype, Rob, that we may get uh, a battle between those two brothers at some point. So clearly that's on the table for Sander. I, I don't want to move away from Sander. I want to you know, make sure we talk about the rest of this. But it is the fact that Sander Clegane is alive, that Jon Snow is alive, that we've seen other characters resurrected. Does that take any of the wind out of the sails for you, so to speak, on the other major death life kind of scene from this episode with Arya getting stabbed by the wave? That's hard to say. I, I don't know necessarily if these characters that we thought were dead. I mean, and now it really feels like on Game of Thrones, if you do not see, you know, a body burned, then maybe this person could be coming back. I mean, is Stannis potentially the next person who, uh, you know, ended up uh, not? Well, Brienne said she killed him, but we didn't see him die on screen. So right. now is that a possibility that he could pop back up? So to me, I feel like that... Um, you know, what are you going to do uh, with that? I think that maybe that we should always keep it in the back of our minds if somebody died off screen that they could potentially be coming back. But the Arya thing, uh, just to segue into that, because I think that a lot of people are saying like, wait, isn't Arya the top story? I mean, I feel like there is 0% chance that Arya Stark is dead. I'm with you. 0%, 0.000% chance, Rob. Yeah. Because for a second there, I was like, okay, hold on here. Stop the presses. Like, are we killing Arya? But the fact that we cut away from Arya <laughs> and that we didn't end the episode on that, I mean, that's Game of Thrones canon, right? That right. if a major character dies, they will die in the last scene, you know, credits. There was a scene after Arya gets stabbed. Arya is not dead. Yeah, I agree. And there are plenty of people around. She's got some pretty bad wounds, so I think there's good speculation we can engage in. Hopefully we'll get some questions about that tonight, about how Arya might be able to be rescued or what her, what the best story for that is in terms of someone coming to her aid. But I I just don't think that if Arya Stark was even meant to be cliffhangery dead, it would the episode would have ended the way it did. So I think Arya's in trouble, and I think the story we're going to be tracking here is how does Arya get out of this trouble, not uh, is Arya dead? Let's find out next week. And to me, I almost feel like whatever they're doing with Arya, I feel like was a waste to sort of, not a waif, 
uh, to do it in this way because I feel like that they really suck the emotion out of it than to go back to that. Like, if you really wanted to do this, I would feel like maybe a little bit more, you know, you leave Arya floating in the river. But the fact that Arya is stabbed and walking around and we have a scene after that, I just feel like that there's absolutely no chance whatsoever that she is uh, dead or in any grave danger. I agree. And I don't even necessarily think that it was presented in a way that would make you think that, oh, this is a cliffhanger. I just think that it was, I think the cliffhanger is she's going to need to find help or she could die. Not like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Is is she dead? Like, I think we, we see that she's limping around, doesn't see a friendly face there. It could be anybody that she sees at this point. I mean, a lot of people probably are speculating. Maybe she'll see the actress. Maybe she'll see a red priestess. I don't know exactly what will bring her back. We're well beyond the books in this turf, Rob. So it's hard to say exactly what will happen, but it seems like to me that that aria will be will be alive and well uh, in the weeks to come yeah it just seems like a half-hearted story beat i don't know why necessarily we did this if it wasn't going to be some sort of mortal wound it's just gonna be something that was going to slow her down and then it's going to just uh then she has to deal with the wave before she ultimately leaves and believe i would have been fine if she was getting on that boat antonio i was all for like oh here we go get out of dodge aria uh no we still have to deal with what's going on with the wave Yes, and we know that uh, Arya has been told to say to death uh, and the Lord of Death, not today. So it's not, I just don't see That's this happening for her. Yeah, I don't know exactly where this will come back, but uh, but yeah, this is something that she's been trained in from the very beginning. And she said not today to the to the faceless men uh, and to the Lord of Death last episode. And so she's in a very tough position now as a result of that. But I, I mean, I thought, you know, there were, I thought it was possible Jake and Hagar could rescue her. I think the waif is too... Arya is in trouble for being too personal and not being enough of a person who can separate herself from her actions. The waif is intensely personal in wanting specifically to kill Arya. To me, that seems out of bounds for what Jake and Hagar has asked of his assassin. So I really don't know what side everybody's on here, and it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, you know, that's interesting that uh, Jack and Hagar had said last week that, okay, you got to kill her, but make it quick. I don't want her to be in any pain. Did not feel like the way followed those instructions. No, this is the opposite of that, which is why I did wonder, like, is, is he going to be involved in this story? I'm sure he was probably watching with a face or, or of, of many different types, or I'm sure he was probably observing how this all went down. Uh, it remains to be seen whether he'll pop back up and offer Arya some potion to cure her wound. Uh, and will she take it? Will she not take it? We'll see what happens next episode, I think. I don't think we're going to get too much delay on this one for sure. Yeah. Um, so with the Arya storyline, three episodes left here in season six. I mean, do you think that season six ends in sort of echoing how season four ended where remember we were so excited that episode where the hound died. And, and I think that that's why it's so interesting that to see Arya buying purchase on a ship, because if you remember that season four finale, she ends up she leaves the hound. He's like, kill me, kill me, kill me. She's like, no, uh, she goes off. And, and then here she is. She's paying money. She's giving a Bravosi coin. She's going off. And we're like, all right, here we go. Arya's on her adventure. And we've really kind of stalled out on the Arya story since that point. Uh, and then here she is now, potentially, hopefully by the end of the season, we're going to see her coming back from Bravos. Yeah, she wanted to get to Westeros just as much as uh, the newfound desire to get to Westeros of Daenerys Targaryen. So hopefully by the end of the season, we'll see both characters on their way. But at the very least, we know that uh, we know that Arya was trying to buy purchase back to Westeros the next morning. So that you're right. There is a mirror there of when she left Westeros and was in a hurry to get away the last time. And so 
She'll return to Westeros if she makes it with a lot of skills that she learned, how to kill, how to act in the dark, all these things. But she won't be uh, returning on a mission with the Faceless Men, which I think a lot of people thought might have been the story. So she's still got some people on her kill list. Uh, the Hound was not on the list, and she admitted that during her training here uh, in Bravo. She basically said, he was on my list at one point. He was no longer on my list by the end. And so the fact that the Hound's alive shouldn't change her story one way or the other. But I do think that she's coming back with some other names. Walder Frey, Cersei, The Mountain. So these are people I could see Arya Stark still having a grudge with. I think there's still too much story there to tell. We've got to get her back to Westeros. Yeah, and hopefully Arya has a quick recovery in terms of uh, the injuries that she, I mean, it, I really did for a second think, okay, maybe Arya is done for here, but just the way that it was handled after she got stabbed, I really, I really did not feel like there was a lot of tension after that. I agree. I agree. I, and I, I don't, I actually don't think that they're there. They intend for there to be like, will will she or won't she tension in terms of like, did she die in that scene? I think you might, we might be meant to wonder well, whether she will die next week, but I think that that, that story is who will save her, not yeah. whether she will die. Aria be walking around Bravos looking for a dumpster to hide under for an episode. <laughs> she might've found one there right at the end there. So yeah, this is a, uh, we've got to protect Aria Rob. We've got to get her some plot armor. She's okay. already got enough, right? Yeah. Plot chain mail for Aria on those stab wounds. Okay. Uh, let's just circle back to the hound because I really want to know if uh, that certainly we had the cult open, which was an exciting reveal of the hound, which is very un game of Thrones like to have a yes. cold open. I feel like that, uh, that there's been very few episodes I mean, in the premiere. Is there a cold open? That's a good question. I'm trying to remember what the first scene of the season was. Uh, no, with no, in, Snow. no, no, in the, oh, in the pilot, in the actual uh, pilot. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Right. Isn't it, isn't the, it isn't in a freezing cold open with uh, yes. the soldiers and the white walkers and everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, very few cold opens uh, in the history of the show. And so we end up getting reintroduced to the Hound. And we spend a lot of time here uh, with this guy, Ray, only to have him killed here at the end of the, the episode uh, by the uh, the uh, Brotherhood Without Banners. Did you feel like that? Did we spend too much time uh, and service on Ray only to have him, uh, you know, gone by the end of this episode? It's interesting. This character played by Ian McShane, famous for playing Al Swearingen on Deadwood and famous for his, uh, shall we say, ribald language on Deadwood. Uh, there's one uh, uh, CS word that he likes to say all the time, the CS Lewis of it all, Rob, uh, the old CS Lewis. He likes to drop that one in on Deadwood a whole lot. I thought, you know, you, you can't have him play a priest without him being a little rough around the edges. And so we did get the rough around the edges story uh, about this guy, Ray. We got that he was a soldier. We got that he had killed and done horrible things things. We found out a whole lot about this guy that in some ways mirrored the Hound story, that he had served others, that he had done things under order that he wasn't comfortable with. You're reminded of the Hound chasing down Micah, the butcher's boy, uh, and when he had to basically cut him down in service of Joffrey. The Hound was called Joffrey's dog, Rob. Like, that is a horrible thing to be called, that he was essentially just somebody that was ordered around, and he broke away from that famously in the Battle of the Blackwater and said his F the King, F, F the, the Realm King. monologue. Yes, and so I think it's I think we had a lot of these scenes with Ray because his story so echoes the Hounds and yet the Hounds outlook on the world has not changed significantly it doesn't seem like. Uh, he maybe wanted to change but as soon as the Brotherhood Without Banners shows up we do see the difference between these two men. 
And we see that the hound is basically like, they're going to keep coming. You have things that they want. You have to fight. And the guy's like, I don't want to fight anymore. Violence is a disease and you don't cure it by spreading it. And that's great. We just see the, it's kind of like they're two sides to the same coin. And so I like that, you know, the character of Ray is sort of in service of the character of the hound. And those words that he's saying about, maybe you should do these good things. Maybe you have a greater purpose. Maybe those will be words that he takes with him as he traipses and, and kind of limps throughout the realm, Rob. I don't know. This is a, I really, anytime you see, I see Ian McShane on screen, I love it. So I was very happy to have as much Ian McShane in this episode as we could get. Uh, I think that perhaps at some point, uh, maybe the Hound did not have a full recovery of his hearing because uh, somehow uh, the Hound, not seemingly that far away, um, the entire group that he is with is, uh, savagely, uh, murdered and, and, and killed and, uh, rampaged and ravaged by, uh, the brotherhood. Uh, really the, the hound doesn't really hear very much of this. Yeah, not at all. Uh, selective hearing, maybe Rob, like maybe he, <laughs> he, maybe he's ready for the lambs to stop screaming. Uh, and that's what he's hearing is the silence of the lambs, Rob. So I don't know. He's got, uh, he's got a messed up face. I don't know about his ears. I don't know where we stand with that. I think Brienne bit his ear during that fight. So uh, maybe. maybe he's just tuned it all out, Rob. Yeah. Also that you felt like that maybe when Ray was sort of explaining everything uh, to the hound where uh, Ray was really doing uh, a lot of the uh, exposition of it all of like, uh, so remember when I found you that time and then you were left for dead and then you were dying. And then I thought, and I was waiting for the house. Yeah, I remember. I remember when all this happened. <laughs> yes. I don't remember as an audience member, Rob, but yes, I'm sure that <laughs> Thank hound you for remembers. reminding me. Yes, thanks. Keep bringing it up. Keep keep reminding me of my misery when I smelled terrible, and even the flies thought I was dead. You know, keep hound, the- because you know we really we really couldn't put the whole thing in the previously on because that really would have tipped it to everybody. So again, I got to <laughs> explain this whole thing. Yes, excuse me. I'm just a uh, like uh, the actress from last episode. I'm only as good as my writing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't uh, know. So there yeah. you go. Uh, so yeah, Ray uh, ends up getting uh, the Hound uh, back on his feet again, and uh, seemingly, you know, a, a new occupation as uh, what are they sort of like building uh, a church or a barn? It's, yeah, it's like a church raising that's going on there, Rob. And I think he wanted to probably not the best. I mean, you would think if you're going to build a church, you probably would get the lay of the land first. Like, listen, if we build a church here, is this a place where three guys can ride in on a horse and kill literally every single one of us? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, that, that maybe maybe you want to scout your locations for your church first. But they seemed pretty happy until the end there. Uh, that's too bad. Okay. Well, it seems as though a bit of a heel turn for the Brotherhood without banners. Uh, they were sort of uh, mischievous scamps where we last saw them. I believe it was back in season three. Uh, but here they are. And uh, what has gone wrong here, Antonio? Well, war. I mean, we, we heard a lot about war and uh, the, the episode's called The Broken Man, but uh, you can see probably that they haven't necessarily had the best go of it. They were wanted by just about everyone. Uh, and I should add, I, I agree with you about the heel turn. They were nice enough. They didn't kill the kids when they found Hot Pie and Gendry and Arya. Uh, they didn't, you know, they weren't the worst people. They wanted to do battle with the Hound, who was seen as the bad guy at that point. They also did sell Gendry to Melisandre, knowing full well that she wanted basically uh, bad things from Gendry. So 
That was not something they, they really had too hard of a time doing. I'm not sure that they were always great. They're kind of mercenary. They're kind of out for themselves. So it doesn't surprise me that if they need food badly, uh, that this sort of thing is happening. And they probably have taken in some bad people. I would like to see more of the Brotherhood, though. I would like to see where we stand with Thoros of Mir uh, and with everybody that's involved, Beric and Darien. We know that every time Beric came back to life, a little of him was gone. So I do wonder, is the question like... If you're killed many, many times, do you become worse as a person? Do you do you care less about what's right and what's wrong? Is this something that Jon Snow perhaps could look forward to? Is If he dies again and is brought back again, is he going to come back a meaner person, a worse person? I don't know, but I, I want to see more of the Brotherhood Without Banners to find out uh, why maybe they're, they've gone to this these lengths now. And one more thing with the Hound in terms of, okay, he was with these people. They were raising up at some sort of a church. Brotherhood Without Banners comes in. They kill everybody. They leave him. Where does he go from here? Is he out for like some vigilante justice for the men who did this to his buddy Ray? Right. Good question. Is he like a like a Billy Jack kind of just wandering the wild, like limping around with an axe like Michael Myers? Like I said, I don't or, or Jason, like, you know, from Friday the 13th. I, I really don't know. Like exactly. Do we need to get the hound a hockey mask, Rob? Is that what we need? Yes, I think so. So people don't recognize him. Yeah. So people don't recognize the burn on his face. Like he needs to stay dead as the hound. So the more he can do to disguise himself, the better. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what his goal is. Like I said, he always had a grudge against his brother. As far as he knows, his brothers, his, his brother is still alive. He doesn't know anything that happened in that regard, uh, that he was brought back to life. Sir Robert Strong, all of that. He may be saying, look, if I've got one thing left to do, this is the thing I'm going to try to do. And he may be just heading right for King's Landing. Uh, would you feel great? Would you feel good about that if that's what we got out of the Hound? Is that he was on a mission to go to King's Landing and and perhaps maybe fight uh, Gregor Clegane at some point? Yeah, well, a Clegane ball would certainly be an enticing proposition. And yes. so when you see the Hound in this episode and you see him hanging out with somebody who's wearing the symbol of you know uh, of the Seven, and you say, okay. Well, now that he was sort of brought back by the, you know, uh, people that are that are following the seven, which is sort of connected to the high sparrow. So you feel like, okay, he's in some sort of like high sparrow farm team right now. All they have to do is like, hey, you know, call up the high sparrow. Hey, we got the hound. He's ready to go. But now I feel like we're so far away from that to have now all of those guys bumped off. And now he's nowhere near King's Landing, nowhere near being involved in any sort of potential trial by combat that the mountain is going to be in. I don't have any idea how you get the Hound involved in a trial by combat happening imminently in King's Landing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We, there was some discussion on Twitter earlier tonight about that, about whether it was going to happen before the end of the season, the trial by combat. And I think Cersei might ask for it, but I just don't see how you get the Hound back there in time to do that. Uh, although maybe he'll use the little finger portal, Rob, and we'll just be fine. Well, uh, let me pitch you on something. Okay, so all right, so he's up there in the River Run general area, right? Right. Okay, so that's also where Jamie is, and what if the Lannister men come upon him and then they sort of arrest him for abandoning uh joffrey and that sort of gets him back to to king's landing and so is that a possibility possibly he wasn't i mean if you track back to season four he was a wanted man for that purpose he wanted to get Arya to catelyn stark at the red wedding first and foremost obviously when they arrived it was just a, a few minutes too late or i should say perhaps it was exactly at the right time to save their own lives 
after that, he wanted to get her to Liza Aaron. Uh, when he got there, Liza Aaron was dead, moondoored. So that was no good. After that, he didn't really have a purpose with Arya either. They were kind of riding around. It hadn't been clearly determined exactly what he was going to do, except not be killed or taken into justice uh, for the acts that he did with Joffrey. So that's still now kind he of where he's at. Now he's got his own axe. Exactly. So maybe it's time to bring the axe to, to King's Landing. So we'll, I, I don't know. I think that that's possible. The other thing, Rob, as you say, he's in the Riverlands. Uh, he's near River Run. The other character that's headed that way is Brienne. And of course, Brienne is the one who ended his life seemingly the first time around will remember him on site for sure. Uh, and maybe wondering like what happened to Arya? What happened to that other Stark that I was sworn to protect now that I finally found one of them and know that she's in safe hands for now. Tell me about the other one. So maybe, maybe Brienne's going to be involved. I, I got to think his, his first action. I mean, the look on his face when he saw hanging Ray uh, at the end of the, at the end of the episode there told me the hound is ready to kill again. It's just a matter of who. Okay. All right, we'll see uh, where it goes. All right, speaking of Sansa and Jon, uh, sort of a uh, a rough week for the Starks, uh, really down and out on their luck, just trying to go around like uh, they're sort of the uh, uh, door-to-door salesmen of the North of like uh, working cold calling and like, hey, hey could, would you are you interested in taking up banners for the Starks? No, okay, uh, thank you. And trying to get people to sign their petition and join them. Yeah, not not a great gig, Rob. I got to say, it's like the modern version of encyclopedia salesmen these days. Like, there's not a lot of call for people wanting to go back to war at this point. It seems like a lot of people are saying, uh, oh, by the way, we went to war for the Starks already. Didn't end well. Uh, and what happened after that? The uh, the Great Joys attacked us, or this person also died. So they're essentially going back to the coffers and the collection plate of people that are already tapped out and already gave all they could to this great northern project. But yeah, they have some good people on their side. Rob Sir Davos is Sir Davos is really good, I think, with kids and bankers. Those are the two people Davos is really, really good with. Yeah, like ten year old girls. That's like his target demo of people that really, uh, <laughs> really that his uh, he really works wonders uh, in that department. Uh, let's talk about uh, the great Leanna Mormont, who uh, I really was a turn that you sort of like. Okay, oh, you know, uh, you know, Lady Mormont. And then they cut around the table and you see it's a kid. And then you're expecting like some sort of sweet Robin situation. But then it was like another turn or it's twisted on its head where she was fantastic. Yeah, that was awesome. She was great. Great performance by that actress. Kind of a great scene. It's interesting. We saw Bran Stark ruling at Winterfell for a time. Uh, we've seen Robin, as you say, kind of being the Lord of the Vale. We've seen these people uh, or, or just in the role that Robin was. We've just seen these children leading to various degrees of efficacy. And I think as you get into the far north and you look at the Mormons, it seems very clear this girl has had to age very quickly because of some of the things that have happened. And Davos picks up on that. That's kind of what he plays on when he makes the pitch to her. Like, I'm sure you never thought you'd be in this position. I have also found myself in positions I didn't think I'd be in uh, that were also very similarly dark and depressing for me. We have a lot in common. Why don't you send all 62 of your men to die for us? And uh, surprisingly, that worked. Uh, but yeah, Liana Mormont, great, great performance there. Another reminder of Liana Stark. We're getting a lot 
lot of Leona Stark talk this season, Rob, more so That's than good. any other season. So uh, this is yet another present kind of memory of Leona Stark uh, with Leona Mormont. Yeah, there was actually a lot of stuff going on between John and Sansa and Davos uh, in this episode. We also had the first scene with them where they were trying to, first they had to try to talk the wildlings. They had to enroll them in this plan. And they were sort of like, eh, until 1-1 the giant really stepped up. And he's snow. Snow. Was that snow? Was that the first word we heard 1-1 speak on screen? I think it was. I think some of the wildlings were like, I think he said no. Yeah, no. I think he Did just he said no. no. Yes. To blade. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he was saying snow. Like, I want to go back to where I'm from, where there's snow. Where I live. Yes. yes. Send me home. I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> yeah. So 1-1 uh, the giant, they ended up uh, getting him on board. And so uh, then, you know, we start going door to door. We find out that there's 62 uh, Mormont men uh, who are there. And like John and Sansa really were just like uh, totally like not helping at all. Like, what? That's it? Oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, like I said, Davos was all, all about it. Like I said, kids and bankers. He's a regular Mary Poppins, Rob. Yeah. Uh, then we went to House Glover where it was like, hey, would you like to be in the Stark army, too? Uh, and they're like, no, no, thank you. We would we would not. And then Sansa really uh, had a bit of a tantrum. Like, don't you know who I am? Yeah, she had a sandstrom. This was bad. <laughs> yeah. This was no good. She threw a little sandstrom there. Uh, not a Derude kind of sandstorm. This was a, a Sansa tantrum for sure. Like, even uh, John yeah. was like, no. no, no don't do that. Yeah, well, I mean, what I liked about that scene is that there are still echoes of the mistakes that Rob Stark made. Uh, mm-hmm. Namely, with Lady Talisa, like the things that happened when Rob made the decision that he made. Uh, look, some uh, some un- unkind language about Lady Talisa from Mister Glover tonight, but uh, it's 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 understandable that this decision that Rob made not only led to his own death, but has continued to resonate throughout his family at this point. Like this was a bad, bad decision that young Rob Stark made for love that cost him his life. And it cost his family the support of the Glovers, for example, a lot of things going forward can't be in place because of the things that happened with the last kind of go round. So I think that's always good to kind of remember that these decisions that people make really do have consequences that go on beyond the season. Yes. Uh, and uh, Lord Danny was very uh, not happy about everything. Uh, yeah, he's uh, getting too old for this. Yes, really. Too old for this. It's <laughs> <laughs> really getting too old for this. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, Sansa really, uh, really trying to push for this. And, and I wonder if people are just like uh, saying, you know what? Uh, all of the Starks, uh, nice people. They're 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 nice, but they're not the kind of people you want to follow into a battle. Yeah, nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you in my home, but please leave. Thank you. Uh, I don't want your encyclopedias, and I don't want your war. Yeah, you're right. It is uh, it, the, the Stark record is not great. Uh, people aren't remembering the, the, the Robert's Rebellion of it all, Rob. They're remembering the most recent cause that the Starks rallied them to that led to so much death and destruction. And, and in many cases, they're very lucky. A lot of these houses, the Tullys, the, the Glovers, they're just getting back to their homes after all of that stuff. And so they're not really ready to overextend themselves and to push their way forward. They're very lucky, in fact, it seems, to get the 62 more months that they did. Uh, hopefully yeah. they're half bare. If they're half bare, they might have a chance, although they should stay away from torment. Yes. Uh, also, uh, Leanna Mormon really uh, zinged Sansa when she was when Sansa was like, hey, I'm a Stark. She's like, oh, actually, I heard you were a Bolton. Or was it a Lannister? I don't really remember. So well. I can't yeah. I can't recall. Yeah, way to way to zing the teen bride who was forced into two separate marriages. Good job, Leanna. 
Yeah. You're really, really picking on the right person there. Good idea. All right. So then they set up camp and uh, we find out that this is the same camp that Stannis had been staying at. Now, earlier this season, uh, Josh and I had talked about how, hey, what do you think is going to go on? Are we ever going to see Davos find out about Shireen? And I'm like, I don't really know how that comes up. I don't really think that Melisandre is like, oh, hey, Davos. Actually, also, you remember Shireen? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, about that, there was this one day where I had this crazy, I don't know what I was thinking, and... (laughs) Uh, but now we're staying at that camp. Don't you yeah. feel like that's going to, that's, uh, we're, maybe we're going to find out about that? Maybe. I'm wondering what conflict does it cause? Does it cause Davos to abandon the snow cause and not fight Ramsey Bolton? I mean, I don't think so. No. Does it cause Davos to have a problem with Melisandre later on down the line, who is apparently still at the wall when we're not seeing her anymore? Yeah, where uh, is she? Yeah, I think she's still at the wall, I guess. I mean, I don't know where else she would have gone. She wasn't with the wildlings. She certainly doesn't seem to be traveling with Davos and Sansa and Jon. Uh, maybe she left with Brienne, but I, do, I don't remember that. So no. I'm not sure. I think she must still be at the wall, which is not the best place for a woman yeah. uh, to be. But I mean, you know, wasn't we- the whole thing about Blackwater where it was like they said Stannis failed because he didn't bring Melisandre? Like, didn't she like kind of make a point about that? Like, if you would have brought me would have been different and then that's why she was sort of around like why leave her behind is is, it, is she working on something to stop the night's king if he shows up it's true but he did listen to her in, in, with this battle that happened in, in essentially where the spot they are now that's very true that, that was when he listened to her and it didn't work out very well so she doesn't have the best batting average i mean she she does have like a hall of fame baseball level batting average like three <laughs> out of ten uh four out of ten but she's not in the five six seven eight out of ten with her calls rob so it's not always the best decision to follow her although uh we we see that she has had some luck in the past with King's blood. So I'm not sure. Is she looking for the, the corpse? Is she looking for the corpse of Mance Raider? Is she looking for Gendry now? Has she gone to Gendryville, Rob? Are we never going to see Melisandre again? Like, no, I don't know. Fear. It's so crazy because we ended the first episode with that harrowing image of the true Melisandre. And that hasn't really come back to bear uh, to play a more mod pun uh, this season. We haven't really seen more of Melisandre's kind of I know so much. I've been around for thousands of years kind of thing. So I thought that that was going to be a major plot and story in the season. We just haven't seen it at all. Well, so maybe she, maybe her being at the wall will lead to some magic or something. Well, let me build on that, what you're saying in terms of you're saying, okay, well, I don't know why we got that in episode one that we really haven't had that much to do with Melisandre. Uh, what about the Jon Snow of it all? Because we had this big cliffhanger at the end of season five. Jon Snow is dying or Jon Snow dies. He's dead for two episodes and he comes back and we're like, all right, here we go. Jon Snow reborn. We are off to the races here on Game of Thrones. And Jon Snow has come back even more uh, depressed and mopey. And uh, really, I mean, he's he's not a, a warrior. He hasn't been come back as sort of this like great sense of purpose. Like he's really I mean, we're seven episodes into this season and Jon Snow is, uh, there, there is no change in any positive direction from this whole uh, reincarnation or, or rebirth. 
Yeah, I mean, well, he did find out that there's no God and no heaven, so that part probably hurt pretty bad. But uh, he's come back and he's he left the Night's Watch. That was his big move. He's, I'm done. I don't want to do that anymore. But I guess you can kind of see that coming when the Night's Watch pretty much killed him. So mm-hmm. I can understand why he might have left his service there and broken his oath and done all of that. But he's really been... Con- consumed by this Ramsey Bolton kind of thing and by focusing on Winterfell. And I think as, as Davos kind of said tonight, uh, and as he said to Liana Mormont, I think that that's all because he's focused on the white walkers and the people at hard home. Uh, if you'll recall, he essentially had the hard home thing happen. He, he really was very affected by all of that came back to the wall to say like, this is what's going on and was immediately killed. So I do think he's still carrying a lot of that Night's King, Night King kind of confrontation. The dead are coming. I'm terrified of that happening thing with him. And that's what's motivating his actions to focus so much on rallying the North together around Winterfell. I don't think it's been very elegantly handled. I don't, I don't think that that continues to be talked about. But I do think that that's probably his primary motivation is the, white, the, the dead are coming. And he's got to get the North uh, unified so that they can fight them, assuming that they get through the wall somehow. Yeah. And then we saw Sansa then at the end of the episode. Uh, she puts together a letter for a raven, puts her stamp on it. Has to be Littlefinger she's asking for help, no? Yeah, has to be. And it it makes you wonder. I mean, I understand why she wouldn't, why she turned him down before. She doesn't trust him. She really doesn't like him. She's very angry at him at this point. I understand why she said no before. She's only asking now because she really needs the help. Uh, and so I can foresee that coming in at the exact right moment, like often happens on this show. Uh, I can see that happening if we do have like a bastard bowl happening at Winterfell that the Knights of the Vale ride in like Stannis did when John was talking to Mance Raider, like other people uh, have done, can see that happening near the end of this season. Uh, is this going to come back and bite Santa is my question. Like, is, that, is this the wrong person to ask for help in, in her time of need? No, I think it's the right person. I think that they're kind of screwed right now. So I don't think that getting uh, involved with Littlefinger is going like she might be dead. If they don't get help from Little Fair Finger. Point. So Fair point. I think that this is probably, no matter what happens with Littlefinger, uh, I would think that this is probably better, unless he like sells her back to uh, Ramsey Bolton. Well, I think the whole point is Knights of the Vale ride in to end Ramsey Bolton, so yes. that at least can't yes. happen. Yes. So hopefully that, that's the case. All right, so we'll see what's going on uh, with all that stuff, and hopefully we get some of that conflict going on. We haven't seen Ramsey Bolton in a while, right? No, we haven't. We haven't seen, we haven't seen Tyrion in a while, Rob. Two episodes, no Tyrion. Yeah, that's not right. I'm not sure that's ever happened. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of stuff to do uh, in the North. Uh, Okay, let's go back to River Run, which uh, we had not seen River Run, what, since the end of season three, really? Yeah, since since that time. I mean, we saw the Viking funeral. We saw all of that kind of go down in the River Run area. But we're back there for the first time in a very long time. Uh, we're seeing characters that we haven't seen uh, in several seasons. So this uh, this is welcomed, I think, for, for many fans of of the Tullys and of the, especially of the Blackfish is a, a character a lot of people really like from the books. Uh, so it's nice to see them back. But man, the Blackfish doesn't really, uh, doesn't really think much of what's going on, does he, Rob? No, he's not too excited about all that. But first off, uh, welcome back, Braun. First appearance here in episode number seven of the season. 
Yes, too long to wait for Braun because he comes in, one-liners on fire, zingers left and right. This Jamie Lannister, Rob, I got to tell you, I understand that a Lannister always pays their debts, but the things that Braun has done for Jamie at this point, Jamie's going to have to give Braun the iron freaking throne by the end of the series because it's like, you took me out of my perfectly happy marriage. I was going to murder my older sister or my, my brother-in-law. We were going to take this house. I like Lola Stokeworth. We were great. Then you took me on this Hope and Crosby Road show show to Dorn. I was, you know, farted around down there. I almost died. Yes, I did see someone naked. Didn't love it. It wasn't a great trip. Now you're taking me around the Riverlands for what purpose? Uh, I mean, Braun is just owed. A man is owed, Rob. It is known. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he definitely uh, is owed by, by Jamie. So Antonio, can you just help me understand a little bit more and maybe hopefully the, the listeners too? What is the great importance of River Run as it pertains to the rest of the story? I mean, this just feels to me like a little bit of a means to an end to have a bunch of characters all in one place uh, for the Lannisters here. I mean, what what is the real strategic importance right now of uh, getting River Run back in the fold? I think we saw a little bit of that last episode and we in that we saw Walder Frey was very upset about the fact that River Run was not in the fold. Uh, and that he had had this whole Tully thing that he worked out and that River Run should have essentially belonged to him. Uh, and that that should have been what, what he got out of the whole bargain of the Red Wedding and that he was upset that that didn't all play out. He, he, you know, he was basically uh, just really hammering these poor idiotic uh, phrase. You can't blame these stupid phrase. They're not very smart. They have dumb idiot hats on, Rob. They're just kind of walking around, bonking each other on the head. Uh, Lothar Frey and Walder Frey, just kind of like a Tweedledee and Tweedledum. But I think that the issue is the twins is very important. Where Walder Frey is is very important, as we know, geographically, as passage from the north to the south and the places where they are there. River Run is... River Run is less important as the twins, but it's one of those, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If River Run's not going well, then Walter Frey's not happy. And if Walter Frey's not going well, then you have issues at the twins. And if you've got issues at the twins, then you seriously have geographic issues with moving your armies throughout the land. So I do think that that's a a big part of it. The other big part of it is I think if you want to rule people, you have to have people who bend the knee. And if the Tullys are not bending and as a, and if they're holding out and they're saying up yours, we're going to fight. I think you've got to kind of, squelch that and i think you really have to knock these people down there's, there's that's no way to rule a kingdom to let people rise up against you and say we don't want to be ruled so i think that's a big part of it as well okay so we have this great confrontation between jamie and the blackfish i mean the blackfish is saying uh we're not going to budge Just yeah we're not going to budge i'm the blackfish like this is this is what we're doing here this isn't sea world yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> and so that they're just basically going to say like no we're just going to stay in our castle yeah, we're just going to stay here. We're going to, you know, we're going to have our guys on the ramparts walking around. We just got this all set up. Like we're just, we got food for two years. Do you want to stay here for two years? Like this is not, this is not the greatest moment. And honestly, I don't know how much leverage Jamie Lannister has over the Blackfish. Yeah. Also, when Brienne shows up, I feel like uh, she's going to show up to ask like, oh, we need you to come and fight uh, against the Boltons at Winterfell. And I feel like the Blackfish is going to say, oh, we kind of have our hands full right now. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Can't really leave at this point. If we leave, people will literally walk right into our home and steal it. So no, we can't really go anywhere. Sorry, Brienne. So that's really doomed to failure on her part. But of course, the the greater mission for Brienne seems to be putting her back in league with Jamie. Okay. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about in River Run? 
No, I really, I love the blackfish. I really love the, just the kind of, he, he's walking out saying, getting the measure of Jamie. He doesn't really think he's much. Like, I really like this guy saying, oh, sure, hang Edmure. I don't really care. Uh, this is just a great character. The great, the entrance that he had where Edmure screws up shooting the arrow and the blackfish just shoots it in one take. I think he's a great character entrance for this guy. We're getting a lot more great work out of this guy. Even Braun is saying, I'll take the old guy in a fight between the two of you. So I, I like the Blackfish. So I'm happy to see him on this show. I think we need more characters that are kind of notorious that we haven't seen enough of in this series to date. And I'm, I'm glad we're getting the Blackfish now. All right, then let's also get into what was going on in King's Landing. Uh, we speculated last week, as did most people, that Marjorie was not completely keeping it 100 when she said to the High Sparrow that she wanted to have this holy union between the crown and the faith. Yeah, not Hondo on the Marjorie part, for sure. Uh, she's drawing pictures of roses, Rob. Is that, are we sure that that means not Hondo, like she's not all in? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, because you saw her with, uh, you know, uh, first she talks with the High Sparrow and then she's like memorizing passages about it. And uh, well, l- let's uh, let's talk that through first because it happened first uh, chronologically. And High Sparrow being like, uh, what a, what a creeper. Uh, yeah. really like, uh, so uh, the king uh, talked to me, said uh, you have not resumed uh, being in the marriage bed uh, with him. Like uh, what kind of creepy conversations are uh, Tommen and the High Sparrow having? I don't want to know, Rob. I disavow any knowledge of said conversations. I have nothing to do with any of that. I don't want to know. But yeah, this is bad. The the, the High Septon is a creep. I mean, what does he want, Rob? He wants a patient woman uh, who will have desireless uh, fornication relations with a young boy. Uh, this is a, a really weird dude. Right, right. Yeah. This is, the desire is uh, not so important. Uh, it's just uh, the patience. Yeah, thanks, Dad. This is yeah. this is horrible. This is horrible. Uh, yeah, but I mean, this is look. This is all part of a pattern. I have of- to uh, make sure my wife watches tonight's episode. Just so. <laughs> patience and de- it doesn't matter about desire. Patience is what is required. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a, this is a pattern of how of how a lot of people are cheated on this show. I mean, this is very similar to what what kind of was said to Sansa or the kind of ways that Sansa was involved, whether it was with Tyrion or whether it was with Ramsay. This is, this is the sort of thing that's been told to other characters or that we've heard kind of echoed from other, other areas of this realm. So it's not shocking to hear the high Septon echo it. I think that there could be some people who would debate how villainous the high Septon really is. Uh, but to see him basically say like, you need to let this child uh, put a baby in you. Like he doesn't need to do anything else. He's a creep. He needs to go. Well, the High Sparrow, uh, what's his end game? That he just needs a Marjorie because he feels like, oh, I've got my hooks into Marjorie and Tommen, so now I just need them to have heirs and uh, and have and stay on the throne for a long time. Yeah, just to, just to strengthen the union, strengthen the bonds. Because if these two are on board and then they have a kid and they get their kid on board, this thing's going to last. It's not just going to go. Because right now, Rob, right now I don't know what happens. I mean, we had the prophecy of Mar of Maggie the Frog, if you will. We had that prophecy where the, the Lannister children would all die. Gold be their crowns, gold be their veils or shrouds. So we know that that is out there. Two of them are gone. One was last season. The question, I guess, is if Tommen dies, who, who takes the throne? What happens there? That High Sparrow grip on, on the realm is very tenuous, and it is all Tommen-based. So if Tommen goes, we don't know what happens. And so I think it is important to strengthen that bond uh, because you can't just have it rest in one person. 
So I understand what his end game is, but it's just a very creepy end game, Rob. Okay. So then we had Marjorie with Lady Elena and uh, there's a uh, Septa Unella is there and she's watching closely and uh, Marjorie is like, no, just get out of here. Just go away. So like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Uh, Queen of Thorns is going to stay. And then Marjorie like slips her a note. And then uh, we find out it's a picture of the rose. Uh, so which is sort of like Marjorie winking like, hey, like, just uh, trust me. I got this. Yeah, I'm still loyal to our family. Like I'm I'm still I know where my my, you know, my high garden is like, I know what I'm doing here. I've got you. Here's a picture of a rose to remind you that I know who I am. I'm not gone. I'm not a zombie. I'm not lost. And so, yeah, I love that. I also love, I love the Queen of Thorns, Rob. She's great. Does it move or talk? She said about Septa Unella. That was fantastic. Well, I really felt like that Lady Elena really was living dangerously when she got that note. And then as soon as she got outside of the room, she's like opening it up. Like, could she wait till she was in a private location? I was waiting for Septa Unella to come back out and like slap it out of her hands. Yeah. Shame. Shame. Yeah. Ian McShame. Yeah. We could have seen that for sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, and then we saw a very fun scene with Cersei and uh, Lady Elena, where basically uh, Lady Elena is calling out Cersei as, uh, or, I don't know, you might be the worst person I ever met. You smirked when my grandchildren were going to jail. Now, full disclosure, uh, Lady Elena uh, is also responsible for the death of Joffrey. So, yes. you know, that if... if if we're going to be fair about this, I'd say we're even. Yeah, I think so too. And maybe not even even. Maybe Cersei's <laughs> got a, a leg up here because that Joffrey is dead. Uh, at <laughs> least Marjorie and Loras have a chance here. And that's a that's a son versus grandchildren. So all of that is uh, is in favor of that. But Cersei is a really really terrible person. There's no question about it. And Lady Olenna just needs to recognize that the smirk is Cersei's resting face. Like Cersei's resting getting smirk in trouble face. for resting smirk face, resting Cersei face. Like this is what's happening to Cersei just because of her natural face. So that is part of it. But I, I like Lady Olenna telling it like it is. Zero f's given, Rob. Yeah, and Cersei. I'm having such a hard time reading her this season. I mean, do you feel like that? She says, you know what? I realized I've made a terrible mistake. And so do we take this at face value? Does Cersei really just sort of like uh, come to her senses? Like, boy, you know, uh, hindsight 2020, I could have done some things differently. Well, I said this last week when Josh and I recapped uh, last week's episode, Rob, is that I really don't know. You talk about end games. I don't know what Cersei's end game is. I, the, like I said, the walk of atonement was just her bail, Rob. That was just so she didn't have to sit in jail, that walk of atonement. She still has a trial to come. And even if she wins a trial, whether it's by combat or otherwise, uh, what is her goal? She's lost Tom, and is she going to try to get him back somehow? I mean, Marjorie kind of won that war, and that was the whole point, uh, and and that's gone. So Cersei has lost Tom, and Jamie is gone. Uh, Tywin is gone. There isn't really anybody. Lady Olena is pointing all these things out to Cersei and says, if you were smart, you would leave too. And I just wonder, like, why is she sticking around? What is uh, Tommen is there. I get that. But, I mean, if she's lost Tommen or she can't get him back, I mean, I don't know to what length she's going to go to win at this point because she very clearly has lost. And so I, I, I fear for what a kind of a jilted Cersei or jaded Cersei is going to do. Uh, she has threatened uh, to burn the whole city down, Rob. And there was some great discussion on the feedback show that you and Josh recorded this week 
about maybe is that still going to be her end game? I don't know, but I'm terrified of a Cersei with really no reason to live and no end game in sight. Uh, what that could look like, because we've seen what she's done in the past when when she she went too far with the high septon when she still had plenty of skin in the game. So now that she's almost out, when she goes all in, what's that going to look like? I'm terrified, Rob. Yeah, and very interesting. We'll see where that goes next. And then the other uh, area which we got to see tonight, uh, we got to see a bit of the Greyjoy campaign. Now, Antonio, do you know exactly where they were? I saw in the chat earlier people were speculating Volantis. I heard one of the passing remarks in the Arya scene uh, that when she was bribing the uh, when she was bribing the ship captain, they said, "I heard the Iron Fleet is in Slavers Bay." So that is that is seems to be where what the the discussion is is that that's going on. So I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't know specifically where they may be if that's just a rumor or how that all plays out. But they're 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 around. They're very close, I think, to where they need to be to hook up with Daenerys. It seems likely that that's going to happen now before the end of this season. Love you, Slavers Bay. Uh, Love you, Slavers Bay. And they got there pretty quick. They sure did. They sure did, Rob. They sure did. It's hard to say. In, I mean, the, from the, Pike, no less, too. I mean, you really yeah. got to go all the way around and go. It's hard know, for the, the show has a hard time with this. The books do a good job. A lot of the times the storylines in the books overlap. I mean, famously, things are happening in book four uh, at the same time as they're happening in book five uh, in Game of Thrones in the books. It's, it's a lot harder to kind of show that. The Greyjoy storyline may not be taking place at the same time as other storylines in, in the show. Like, it, it may be not a one-for-one one thing, but you're right. It seemed pretty quick to me. Okay. All right. So that being said, uh, we saw Theon, who's really uh, down on his luck. And, uh, boy, what a party is going on uh, for the Greyjoy fleet. Uh, we learned a little bit about Yara tonight. And this I, this I did not know, uh, that Yara also appreciates uh, the company of women. Yes, Yara starts with a Y, Rob. Yes, she does. <laughs> yes, and, it does. Yes, and uh, this is new information, correct? Yeah, I think this is relatively new information. I don't. I think people maybe had speculated there. There's a, this is a deviation a little bit from the book storyline, and I think that people on the show were wondering exactly uh, what was going on with Yara in that regard because we weren't getting that aspect of her character on the show. So there was some speculation, and here we have it confirmed. But yeah, Theon's down on his luck because. How do you bring a man with no pillar into a palace of pleasure, Rob? This is a, a horrible place for him to be. This is like, I don't know. It's like uh, taking a guy with no arms and hey. saying, hey, will you pitch me batting practice? Like, this is bad. Does Yara have a pillar? Does Yara have stones? She has Theon. Theon's pillar was sent to the Greyjoys, Rob. I don't know what's happened to that thing. Maybe but- that's the pep talk she needs to be giving him. Like, hey, yes. look, watch this. Look what I'm going to do. Yes, there was a very specific uh, kind of promise that Yara made uh, that she said she was going to do uh, that involved removing body parts from another person, uh, which is not a promise you want to make in front of Theon. Not Again. in front of Theon. Not yes, in front of Theon. but now, maybe, uh, I don't know. Now, when you have the, you know, sort of brooding down on his luck, Theon, Antonio, in, in your expertise, is the right move to ply this person with alcohol? No, <laughs> alcohol is a depressant, Rob. This is a terrible idea. She's forcing him to get drunk. I just don't, this is, the, the guy does not want to be there and he definitely doesn't want to be drunk and you're making him be there and you're getting him drunk. Uh, this is I horrible. know you're depressed, but trust me. Yes. Just, just start drinking. It'll be just fine. Just start drinking. And then after you've had a couple of glasses, I'm going to tell you to kill yourself. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is definitely going to be a great plan here. I mean, this is a, this is, she really, it's a little tough. This is tough as tough as tough can get love from Yara here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that, listen, Theon backed her claim. Uh, Theon is on her side. She needs to be a little more supportive, I think. Yeah. So uh, we'll see ultimately uh, where that goes. And then uh, next stop is Danny. And uh, they're off to the races on the, on this. Now, I mean, do the Greyjoys know that Danny happens to need boats? Like, I feel like that this is, uh, I mean, they're really going out there just on a, a, a wing and a prayer of like, oh, yeah, we'll just make a deal with the dragon lady. And then we'll yeah. come back and we'll take over everything. <laughs> I mean, luckily, we know that she happens to need boats, but we don't seem to know that the Greyjoys know that she needs boats. Like, are they aware that the fleet burned down in marine i don't think they're aware the fleet burned at all i don't think they're aware that she ever had a fleet all they really know is that euron Greyjoy said i'm gonna go make nice with the dragon lady and so they're they're taking that crazy bastard's idea and saying yeah let's go do that that's that's what we should do what our crazy uncle who killed our dad and decided he was king and then immediately drowned himself like that's what he wanted to do we should probably do that that's a good idea so that's all they're really going on yeah that's all they're really going on should have copyrighted it Yep, could have done it. Could have, yeah. could have, should have sent it to, mailed it to themselves, Rob. The cheap man's copyright. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's go ahead and get into uh, some of these uh, questions. Okay, uh, of course, uh, hashtag PS Recaps or uh, on our YouTube channel at Post Show Recaps uh, dot or dot com slash YouTube. All right, uh, here we go. Alex Kidwell is pulling these questions and uh, take a look at this, Antonio. Wow, I see, yeah. Uh, Natalie wants to know. If Sansa write, is writing to Littlefinger and he comes through with the Vale army, will she trust him again or is she one time using him? I hope she's one time using him, Natalie. That's my problem is that, you know, if you dance with the devil, what happens? Like if you Recycle. lie down with the dogs. Yeah, this is no good. We we need to make sure that this is a one time thing only. Uh, and hopefully that's what's on Sansa's mind. But if Littlefinger is the character that we have kind of always talked about in the show, Rob, we love it when Littlefinger's on screen. He's always got a plan. He's very fascinating. The show has made Littlefinger pretty dumb over the last season. And so I do kind of hope, even though it would be probably bad for Sansa, I do kind of hope that if Sansa lets him in, lets his foot in the door at all, that he kicks it wide open and we see a little more of Littlefinger's plan here uh, as the door gets reopened. Okay, Antonio, you take this note. Yeah, this is from JTOR2112, says, John's recruitment party has borrowed Littlefinger's pocket warp drive, apparently. Yeah, they're just warping all over the north, Rob. Yeah, they're just bouncing around. Okay, Station to station. Yeah, I think it's sort of like risk, right? If, like, all of the properties, like, touch each other, you can sort of move across in, like, one move. Yeah, just one turn. They're going to fortify. They're going to move some troops up, send them back. This is great. Like, I've got 62 armies in uh, the Mormont territory. Uh, let's move those over outside of Winterfell. Yeah, this is great. After two more episodes, Rob, they can get a card. So this is so this is going to work out really well for them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, real BG low. Yes, classic real BG low. Wants to say this seems to be the season of comebacks with Jon Snow, Benjamin, now the Hound. Is there any situation which we could see a Gendry comeback this season? Well, we were just talking and, and, it, and it came up in the chat room whether Gendry's claim to the throne, if Tommen were to go, is a valid one. Is Gendry somebody who may have a legitimate claim to the no, throne? Keep in no, mind, no. he is a bastard, so he would have to be legitimized. Uh, and even then, I'm not sure where he would line in the succession. But I, I don't, I can't imagine, Rob, that do you, do you think we're going to ever see Gendry again yes. on this show? Yes, yes, I think we will. I, I, here's where we're going to see him. Okay, so Gendry has been rowing since season three, I believe. Yes. Uh, he's been rowing, rowing, rowing. He finally crosses the narrow sea, lands in Bravos, 
finds Arya, gives her the ride back to Westeros, and then uh, there you go. Just paddles her back with his giant arms yes. since he's been rowing for three yes. seasons. Yeah, yes. I like it. What are you doing here? I'm here to save you, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be great. That would be fantastic. I don't know. We, we know he's got royal blood. We know Melisandre has used that with the three leeches in the Usurpers. We saw Balon Greyjoy, the third of the Usurpers that uh, Melisandre leeched up, die this season, Rob. So that was one of her effective works. Uh, maybe getting back with Gendry again could get her some more blood and we could see some more magic. So I just, I don't think he's floating around out there for no reason. I do think he will be back this season. I don't know what story he could really tie into uh, easily. Uh, the Aria one is funny, but I don't know where he comes in other than that right now. Probably the last thing we see in the series finale. It's just Gendry rowing around uh, the, the Blackwater Bay. Yeah. yeah. The bowl of Brown in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about KDD? KDD says, Old Tormund takes advice from 1-1 over regular Tormund. Yeah, did you think this guy looked like a Pormund? Looked like a poor man's Tormund? Is that Tormund. He's yeah, like I, a poor Yeah, normal guy's Bane. Like, he wasn't like a giant's Bane. He's just like a normal dude. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, mundane Bane? I don't know. Mun- mundane Bane. Pormund mundane Bane. Yeah, we, he did look like Tormund. He's got that the reddish beard and the hair. And he did listen to 1-1, so who cares? Are you saying all wildlings look alike? Hey, listen, I'm not saying anything like that. Don't put words in my mouth, Rob. Okay. All right, let's go. They'll dress alike. I'll say that. Uh, my TV PC, do you think that the High Sparrow asked uh, or Tom and complained to him about Marjorie uh, not filling her wife duties? Yeah, how do you think that, <laughs> hashtag awk, uh, how do you think that came up first? Do you think that High Sparrow's like, uh, so, uh, Tom and uh, what's cooking lately? Yeah, uh, Any, or, uh, you, you getting lucky, Tom and how's that going? Yeah, or do you think Tom and is like, uh, like um, high sparrows, like uh, so. Tom and how's it hanging? Like uh, can I, uh not not great. Uh, yeah, not not, be not honest. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, not like gonna, it used to be. Yeah, this is a. Uh, there's not a lot of Sir Pounce. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not happy about this. This is this is not great, High Sparrow. This is not what this is not what I was promised. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how that happens. I I, I got to think the High Sparrow probably asked. Uh, but this is uh, this is very uncomfortable. Why didn't Tom and just ask Marjorie himself? You know. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like that probably came up. High Sparrow's like, hey, Tommy, we got an heir happening soon. What, yeah. when's, the, when's, the, when's the baby coming? Like, well, you, you're going to put a bun in that oven, Tommy? Come on, yeah. let's get this going. Yes. No. Okay. Awkward. Awk- hashtag awk is right, Rob. Basilindo says, is Marjorie just treading water or does she have a plan? And if so, what is it? I don't know. I, I, I asked my brothers who I watched the episode with tonight the same question. The Brotherhood we, Without Banners? The, we have some banners, Rob. You'll have to see them one time. They're very the Brotherhood nice. Brotherhood With Banners? Yeah. Yeah. They're Triflow. They're really, they're Triflow. They're really nice. You should see the banners we made. Uh, but no, I don't know. Uh, I wonder that, that myself. I wonder if she has a plan. What could her plan be, Rob? I mean, is she going to like maybe, maybe convince Tommen to, to step aside now that she's convinced him to embrace the faith? That doesn't seem very likely. Is she going to get Loras out and then kind of play it by ear going forward? I mean, she was already going to uh, be with Tommen before this. Before all of this went down, her plan was always to kill Joffrey, and then Tommen was more malleable, and she could be with a nicer guy, and maybe this was all going to work out. Eventually, she is going to have to have a kid with this guy. I think she always was going to have to have a kid with this guy, so this may have always been her plan, but I think she's got to get Loras out of those dungeons. I think that's her first goal, mm-hmm. is to get Loras freed and get Loras back on his feet. There's a lot of talk of that going on, so I think Marjorie is focused on doing the rightest things that she can do to have any kind of say in what happens to Loris. I think that's her only plan right now. 
Yeah, I think that it's really a means to an end to get Loris out of that. And really, I mean, uh, then whatever happens, happens after that. I feel like that maybe she feels like she's smart enough. She just needs buying time to figure something out. Yeah, and like I said, she was always already going to be with Tommen before the High Sparrow was involved. So maybe once you get Loris out and the the High Sparrow's involved, but it's not that bad because he's not coming after her family anymore, uh, and maybe she can continue to work Tommen against the High Sparrow as the years go on. So maybe that's, if she can get Loris out of the dungeons, maybe that's her next move. Okay. Uh, This is from our Philly. Braun is indisputably the single most fortunate character in the series, right? Seriously, has anyone else had a more positive arc? I listen every time Bron comes on screen, uh, he's a positive. He he came kind of the hero to Tyrion's rescue uh, when he was ultimately demanding his champion uh, in the Eyrie. So that was a time when we first started to like Bron, and he's been uphill ever since. Uh, it is a really positive arc for Bron from from our boy our Philly out here on the internet. Yes, uh, really for Bron, uh, what a, what a ride it's been. Like this I said, though, known. a man is owed. Rob, it is known he's going to be owed all of Westeros. It's known. Okay. Uh, what about from Kate ED? Kate ED at muffin. That sucks. Wants to know, are the phrase really incompetent or am I missing something? I know. I think really incompetent. No. I mean, I think that's the whole thing. I mean, I think that's like a uh, Walter Frey is like what, like 90 years old and he's having like uh, a, you know, a million babies with uh, like all these people that are, you know, kind of like simpletons. Like, I think that that's uh, a, <laughs> you know, this is not like the, uh, top of the gene pool here, any of these phrases. No, this is an idiocracy scenario, Rob. And they're wearing the dumb boiled leather hats, like I said. They're not really protecting them against much. Uh, they're just kind of stupid. And I think that they're, they're meant to be stupid. I think those hats and costume choices are meant to look like other stupid knights who have worn those hats. And things like Monty Python was mentioned in the chat room. I really think that they're meant to be dumb and we're meant to kind of laugh at how stupid they are. Yeah, but they got one over on the Red Wedding. They did. Well, that wasn't necessarily those phrase. They were taking orders from a greater fray uh, who last week asked them, how do you lose a castle? You know, like he was very angry that this had happened. Like, did it disappear? Like, so these are idiots. These are idiots, Rob. These men are dumb. These men are dumb. Okay. Uh, Real BG low wants to know what's a more likely destination for the hound storyline. He reunites with Arya. He fights Robert strong in Cersei's uh, trial by combat. What do you think? Well, we talked a lot about how people are just moving around very quickly. So I suppose the Hound could be in King's Landing by the end of this season. I got to think, though, that the, the High Sparrow and the High Septon, he knows what Cersei's kind of endgame has to be. She's always walking around with this giant man behind her. She's probably not going to win a regular trial. Is he going to let this trial by combat just happen? Uh, I just Cersei's plan with this whole thing has never worked. The whole High Septon thing was her idea, and it's just gone sideways the entire time. I'm skeptical that this trial by combat is going to play out exactly how she thinks. Well, it is Game of Thrones. Yeah, and, and, and so it almost never does, right? Like, so sometimes it does, though. Like, the thing with the, the, the Viper and the Mountain did play out the way that we, the audience, didn't want it to and didn't expect it to. We thought Tyrion would live. So that always a little bit of an end around, I think. So maybe we could get a trial by combat. The Hound would be an interesting champion for the faith, as we talked about earlier in this episode. I don't know that there's a clear through line, even though he was with a man. That man was not necessarily, 
He was more of a Unitarian Swearingen, this guy, mm-hmm. uh, Ray. He was talking about how it didn't matter what gods they were. Uh, and so I'm not sure that he was drinking the high septin Kool-Aid, uh, as it were. And I'm not sure the Hound, certainly don't think the Hound is. On the other hand, the Hound would probably fight Gregor for no reason. So for no reason, whatever. Maybe he would show up. I, I don't know. I, I like the Hound and Arya reuniting. I like them as a pair. Uh, I think you and Josh are, are, uh, mentioned that that was one of the best pairs in the show's history. I loved Arya with Tywin as well. I really would like to see the Hound and Arya Aria, both with no real cause except for vengeance back together and uh, chalking names off their kill list, him helping her, her helping him. Uh, and ultimately the two of them getting back together. I would love to see that. I don't see how it happens before the end of this season. I, I don't see how it happens at all. I feel like yeah. that Aria has got her own things to do to reunite reunion tour with the hound. I feel like does not seem like it would be high up on the agenda. Yeah, I don't think you bring the Hound back to life and have him not fight Gregor Clegane. I just don't <laughs> know that it's going to be in the trial by combat. Okay, a couple more questions. Uh, Real BG Low. Won't Jacken be pissed that Arya 2 didn't actually kill Arya? Again, talked about that earlier. I don't know. I don't know what Jacken's kind of endgame is here. As I said, uh, Jacken said a shame a girl had many talents. He may have been talking about the waif. He may have been saying, like, you know, you could die here. I I truly do believe that as we've seen from Jack and Hagar, it's life for life. There's no vengeance involved with the, the many faced God. Like it's not about vengeance. It's about numbers. It's a numbers game. So when Arya saved his life, it wasn't about, Oh, we have to kill someone specific. It was about, I'll kill who you tell me to whoever it is, because it's one for one life for life. And what happened here is Arya was supposed to kill somebody. So as long as someone dies, I feel like that debt is paid. And I actually think Jack and Hagar doesn't really care who it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's Arya or if it's the waif, as long as someone dies. And I do think the waif so seriously wanting to kill Arya is the same kind of thing as Arya not wanting to kill the actress who played Cersei. There's emotion in it. They need to kill without emotion. They need to give that gift without emotion. And the fact that the waif wants to use emotion to give that gift makes her no better than Arya in that regard and means that she's not ready yet either. So I don't really know. Okay. Antonio, in the last question, from uh, Brendan from House Fitzy. Brendan says, so is the best story for Arya, best story for Arya, not being dead, for her to just be healed by Jack and Hagar and bring that whole season journey full circle? Is this the best story for Arya, Rob, if Jack and Hagar is the one who heals her? Hmm. I mean, why? Yeah, again, a, a debt is owed. Like, I, I think that he could heal her if Arya were to have killed the waif and Arya were still suffering these wounds. I think that Jacken could say only one life was owed, so maybe he could heal her then, and that story was, was brought full circle. But I, I just, I think Arya's got to kill the waif before any of that happens, and I, she's not killing her in the condition she's in right now. And who's going to work at the House of Black and White if Arya kills the waif? Doesn't she, like, a debt is owed? Like, so, like Jack and Hagar needs an assistant. Yeah, I, and that's true. So he's got to find somebody else, I guess. He's got to find somebody else to to clean the bodies, if you will. So I you don't think know. it's easy to find good people at the House of Black and White. It's not easy to find good people anywhere, Rob. Yeah, a long <laughs> yeah. training program. It really is. So, and I think bo- I really do think both of these uh, both of these women flunked out of it uh, to you think a certain extent. People are extent. lining up to cut faces off bodies. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I hope not. If they are, I don't. I I don't think those are necessarily the people that you want that you want uh, to have helping you. So it, it's got to be a hard job to find people with naturally, as you're saying. So yeah, that's tough. But I think Jack can, can handle it. He seems pretty adept at uh, at. I mean, who was doing it while he was puttering around Westeros? Just the waif. I don't know. Maybe yeah. she's 
Well, maybe she has the keys that she's opening and closing. I mean, then you're going to kill that person off. That's a lot of responsibility. That's true. Maybe he'll be upset about it after all. I mean, are there other people that work at the house in black and white? It sure seems like it. It it sure seems like it. It doesn't seem like it's two people, but maybe I'll have to call somebody back from the field. Maybe there are people out there doing field work and I'll have to call them back to come in from the cold and say, now you gotta, you're gonna have to do some, uh, some body wash time here because we lost the wave. Yeah. Hey, I've got tickets for the history of Westeros on Saturday. Do you think you can cover my shift? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I don't care if you have a seeing Hamilton, like you've <laughs> got to come back and cut some faces off. Yeah. All right. All right. And then the one last question, real BG low, man, BG low blowing up tonight. Did Tyrion and Theon have a history with each other? Uh, what should we expect from a Greyjoy Targaryen uh, meetup? Yeah. I believe that uh, going all the way back to season one, I believe it was uh, Theon that uh, tipped off uh, Tyrion about Roz. I do think you're right, actually. Uh, so me. I'm not forgetting Roz. I, I know, Rob. You're one of your favorite characters is gone. Yeah. Uh, and what, a, what an ending for Roz. Very, very undeserving. But yeah, that was what they bonded over. Yeah, they did. You're right. Uh, and I'm sure Theon will love to remember those halcyon days of uh, his pillar life. I'm sure that that is something he would love to have brought right back to the forefront. The Tyrion will recognize him. That's for sure. I mean, you keep yeah. in mind that the people that are there, uh, the Daenerys and uh, Grey Worm and, and, and Dario, these people aren't going to right away recognize Theon Greyjoy. Tyrion will. So that's an instant in that I'm not even sure that the Greyjoys are expecting. Tyrion will also know the very complicated history of the Greyjoys in Westeros, like the back of his hand. And he'll say, these are people who never bent the knee to these, to these kings uh, and who you can probably use to help you conquer Westeros. So he's going to have a lot of savvy knowledge about their family. And Theon's presence is going to immediately alert him to the fact that this is legit. And if there's anything that could bring Theon back, uh, perhaps a support group uh, with himself in Varys and yes. Grey Worm. And Grey Worm, yes. And the Unsullied. Let's bring all the eunuchs together, Rob. This is great. <laughs> this is like a, a eunuchs unit we're going to form. Don't say, don't call it unit. Oh, yeah, my bad. Poor choice yeah. of words. Sorry, okay. Theon. I apologize. All right, uh, Antonio, lots of fun tonight here on the show. Uh, of course, this is just the beginning of your Game of Thrones week. We've got a lot to do. Uh, I have the Game of Thrones uh, voicemail feedback show to get into this week, and I have a very special guest uh, for that. Uh, my buddy from Survivor Know It All, Stephen Fishback, will be joining us for the uh, voicemail feedback show. So I'm oh, very wow. excited about that. I've never talked about Game of Thrones with Stephen Fishback. So the backfish, uh, the backfish is back. <laughs> yeah, he did the book club with Josh this past week. Uh, we're going to record the voicemails, uh, the feedback show this Tuesday. So get your questions in for that show. Go to postshowrecaps.com/slash/voicemail or email them in got at postshowrecaps.com. So I'm very excited about that show. And then I, Antonio, I believe is, is the, the book club is is back on track this week. Yes, I believe that Josh and Terry Schwartz, who will be returning to the book club, uh, will be recording later in the week. I think later Thursday, maybe, or Friday. So you can always get your questions in the same address as Rob sent. Uh, just put book club in the subject line and make it clear that you're talking about stuff from the books because Rob hasn't uh, caught up on the books fully and we don't want to spoil Rob on everything there. Uh, well, so what's the spoil at this point, Antonio? Well, spoil I got to tell you, some, some, things, some things happen ah. in the books that, that may be happening on the show, Rob. There, there'll be 
stuff to talk about this week on the book club for sure. Look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to watch these YouTube videos left and right. Whatever, whatever, oh my gosh. whatever. It's a guy's okay. name Preston Chambers or something. Oh yeah, I watched that, that guy. guy. That guy's. Yeah. Good. I watched a four part uh, video the other night of uh, what What are the Dornish really up to? Ah, yes, that that is. <laughs> I'm sure that that aided in your analysis of the show, Rob, because Dorn <laughs> like, wait, has been so are, important. Yeah, aren't all these people dead on the show? What's yeah. Going? Oh, what, right. what about it? Yeah, this is great. All right, so let's get into uh, hashtag Antonio. Oh my gosh! Well, what did we? You said what did you say? Uh, mundane bane. I really like that. Uh, uh, Pormund was also funny. Pormund, mundane bane. Uh, you got uh, a Sandstrom. Yeah, uh, Sandstrom. R- resting smirk face uh, <laughs> is also in the mix. McShame, uh, McShame. I like that one. McShame. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I didn't get to say was uh, forget uh, Brotherhood without banners. More like Brotherhood without manners. Who are these guys? <laughs> I love it, Rob. How many kids do you have? You have two sons, right? That was a great dad joke. I love it. This is fantastic. Yeah, how I like, rude. How rude. I like, I like Pormund normal. Nor, Pormund mundane bane. I like that. <laughs> Pormund mundane bane. Okay. Yes. It's there a little long. Go. It's a little long, but it's it's pretty funny. I like Pormund's uh, less impressive uh, dad or uncle who yes. uh, is, is now like that's how deteriorated the wildlings are that were really yeah. at the bottom of the barrel that uh Tormund's uh relatives are now in the mix yes the, the, the mundane bane of it all they're 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 here and they're ready i guess with trepidation uh to work behind john snow yeah all right well uh this was very fun antonio also uh antonio and i have been catching up on the road to the podcast award special uh which you can hear in the post show recaps podcast feed at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes, uh, our main feed on Postal Recaps. Uh, we talked uh, t- today about uh, what other show should get a prequel, uh, a Better Call Saul-style uh, prequel treatment. Uh, you could hear that, our answer to that. Uh, we didn't talk about Game of Thrones. Is that, do you think that's ever in the mix? A, ga- well, a, a we- game... Yeah, we talked a little about Game of Thrones with the uh, the Hedge Knight and with the uh, the stories that take place about a hundred years before. Mm-hmm. I do think we're going to see those for sure. As far as like content that doesn't already exist, I think the universe is wide open. I think Westeros is too awesome. I think once you get into the world of ice and fire of the whole series, there's just so much to do. So I I think we could get I think we could get a whole prequel series around Robert's Rebellion, even if it's just a TV movie. I think that would be awesome to see. So I'm really hopeful and excited for more Game of Thrones content from HBO or others. Here's my pitch for the Game of Thrones, uh, the next Game of Thrones property that's coming out. Let's hear it. It's Westeros, but it's now. Oh, wow. So what would that? Yeah, that would be pretty mind blown. That's the mind blown noise. Yeah, all those castles, Rob. Uh, your boy Preston, whatever his name is, has a great, uh, a great video series where he speculates that the Game of Thrones story may, in fact, be a kind of post-apocalyptic story. That all these great buildings and great things. This is a nuclear winter oh. that we're experiencing, Rob. <laughs> so definitely check that one out. Nuclear that winter fun. is coming. Okay, I'll yeah, check that so out. When, is, when will then be now? Soon. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to, Rob. A little bit of a Hunger Games type thing. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, good stuff all around. Uh, Follow Antonio on Twitter. He is at AC Mazzaro, two Zs, one R. Yeah. And uh, Josh and I are talking Mr. Robot still. 
here at Post Show Recaps. Episode five of season one of our Mr. Robot Revisited podcast. We're doing one episode a week in the lead up to Mr. Robot season two on July 13th this summer. Uh, and we're doing it, it spoiler free. So if you're watching that show, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend you check that out. It should be on Amazon Prime now or very shortly. Uh, the, the first parts of the podcast are spoiler free. We get into a spoiler section at the end of the podcast, Rob. We're having a lot of fun talking Mr. Robot. So look for episode five late in the week this week. Okay. Uh, and thanks so much to Alex Kidwell behind the scenes, pulling up those questions and, uh, wow, what they looked fantastic. Yeah, they look, they're, they're great. I, I like that. I like that people know where to get at us. I like that they can get at you on Twitter at Rob Sesternino. I like the PS recap. This show is great, Rob. I'm always happy and honored when Which you have show, me on podcast here. This podcast or Game of Thrones? I, Game of Thrones. <laughs> talking about Game of Thrones is awesome. I that love jumping fun. on. Very right fun. after the episode to talk about it. I'm, I'm, I'm just very thankful that you had me and hey, happy to be here. Three weeks from tonight, Game of Thrones finale. How about that? I get hyped, Rob. I'm very hyped. I'm excited. Yeah, it's exciting. All right, everybody. Uh, looking forward to reading your comments on postshowrecaps.com and make sure you subscribe to our Game of Thrones podcast uh, series, uh, postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes to make sure you don't miss any of our Game of Thrones podcast. And we always appreciate the feedback and star ratings, star ratings on iTunes. Take care, everybody. Bye.